You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Patreon. Please consider joining them for $3 a month at patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast, where you'll get access to our special bonus content, like our whole church news segment, where we cover news that's going on in the whole church around the globe today. Ephesians 4 verses 25 through 31 reads, Therefore, ridding yourselves of falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, because we are parts of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who was in need. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But if there is any good word for edification, according to the need of the moment, say that, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Reverend Kino Kennedy. One thing I hear a lot is people like to say, I was just speaking truth. And they use that as an excuse to be rude to people and kind of avoid being kind because, you know, they were telling the truth. But in this verse, St. Paul saying, speak the truth and be kind. Um, How is it possible to do both of those things? So I think if you if you allow me to set this up by adding another scripture to this, and that is Luke six forty five. Um, part B, out of the out of the outpouring of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you take that into consideration and what Paul is saying, we should be conscious of the things that we're saying to people because it's coming from somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's not just coming from anywhere. It is coming from either a joyful place or a hurtful place. You, we have to examine where we're coming from. So the first thing we should do is always ask ourselves, why do I feel or why do I feel like I have to say something? Question your own thoughts and your own logic to then understand, is this something to upbuild or to tear down? Hmm. Yeah. But but then also, also, um, I will say this, is that if people can understand speaking your truth is one thing. But telling the truth is another thing because you speaking your own truth is talking from your own experience and that you're entitled to do. But when you try to tell somebody a truth that is only coming from you, it might not be true for them. So you have to recognize that what we should be doing is examining what we say, how we say it, and who we're saying it to because we're not trying to tear anybody down. We're always trying to build someone up. And that, and remember that that James wrote that the most powerful thing is our tongue. That is the the words that we say have power. They have influence. They can either hurt or tear down, or they can upbuild and and show love. But but once it's out there, it's out there. And you be like, oh, I'm just telling my truth. No, you're not. You <laughs> you trying to hurt me by just telling me how you feel about something, which is okay. You're entitled to give your opinion. And that's another thing is we gotta understand that there's a difference between truth and opinion truth is cannot change opinion is just how you feel about it but the reality is is that we as believers have to 
know that yes issues are going to arise but Jesus gave us an, an example of how we're supposed to handle issues we're supposed to talk to one to one to another and if you can't if they can't reason with you bring somebody else in bring two two or three other people in and if they still un, unwilling to hear you bring them to the whole church they still can't receive you then that's when you can cast them aside but we want to cast people aside without never ever talking with them first or even trying to bring somebody else in which I think is uh, it hurts hurts the body as a whole. Amen. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Joshua Knoll. I have been brought on with a very special pleasure, and that pleasure is to announce the greatest co-host of all time. Our galaxy has known no better than the one and only TJ Tiberius Juan Blackwell. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get it started. Yeah. Today, we are continuing our Dividing Scripture series, so we're going to be talking about uh, the beast in the book of Job and also the Ziz, because... Uh, I just don't feel right talking about Leviathan and Behemoth and not mentioning the Ziz. I like the Ziz. So it should be a fun episode. Right. And if you like hearing us talk and want to get in on that, consider joining our Facebook group. Uh, it's called The Whole Church Group. We'll put a link in the show notes. Pretty easy, convenient way to talk to, you know, half of us yeah. uh, and to engage with other fans of the show. Yeah. We have a lot of good conversations over there. And as TJ knows... And as most of our listeners know, if you're new, you might not know this, but I, I have a favorite form of unity. This is a church unity podcast, and um, my favorite, un favorite form of unity is silliness. Because when you're silly enough, even if you disagree, it kind of just doesn't really feel like you're disagreeing. You're just being silly. And today, I have a special silly question just for TJ and I, because even when we don't have a guest, we have to do this. It, it's in the contract. And today's silly question is very simple. Who is your favorite Disney bird? Uh, TJ, unless you have a very obvious answer at the top of your head, I can go first. Kevin. I was up. I was torn between Kevin and a few others. I really I really like Donald Duck, to tell you the truth. He, he doesn't wear pants. You know what I'm going to go with? I didn't think about this till just now, but Darkwing Duck, final answer. <laughs> Disney has some great ducks in its, in its cartoon fold. That's true. That's yeah, true. I was going to go with Al from Winnie the Pooh, but Darkwing Duck is boring. Cool. I like Al. Al's my spirit animal. <laughs> But uh, like we said earlier, welcome back to the Dividing Scripture series. We said last time that we're going to be covering Job a little differently than we did Genesis by going through the topics of the book rather than going through the scriptures in order. Uh, today, we're going to look at the topic of the beasts in the book of Job, the Leviathan and the Behemoth. We'll also discuss the Ziz. If you want to catch up on the whole church Dividing Scripture series, uh, there is a link in the show notes. As always, our purpose in doing this is not to settle any debates or give our own opinions. It's just to show the differences of the church and ask how might you be united despite the differences. Joshua, can you describe the three beasts of Jewish mythology for our audience? Yeah, so two of these, as we've said before, are mentioned in the book of Job, chapter 40 and 41. Chapter 40 mentions the behemoth, and that is a giant land animal. Uh, there's a lot of different descriptions for what it may or may not look like. Giant breast, huge tail. If you see what people think it could be, You'll understand why some of the descriptions seem a little vague, uh, because it goes from people thinking that it might be a crocodile to people thinking it might be a long neck dinosaur kind of deal. So clearly, we don't actually know what it looked like. A lot of depictions just kind of looks like a pig when you look at like different 
illustrations and stuff. It's kind of weird. The Leviathan is a giant sea serpent. That's chapter 41. Um, some descriptions, it has six heads. Some, it just has one and it's just huge water creature. Maybe a hippo. Who knows? And then, of course, you have the Ziz, which is a giant bird. We're not talking pterodactyl giant like what you see in Jurassic World or Jurassic Park. We're talking like giant to the sense that it seems unplausible when you hear some of the descriptions where, you know, its feet are on the bottom of the ocean and its head still in the cloud. Kind of big, like size of the earth big. Yeah, that's basically what three we're talking about. Yeah. Big bird from Sesame Street. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add as far, as far as like what you know about their looks? No, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like just one of those random things that it's like TJ might just happen to know extra stuff about this for no reason. There, there are so many different you know accounts and theories about what they looked like. It's to me, it's almost not worth entertaining any of them. Yeah. What's the most entertaining one you've heard though? I'll probably just that. Uh, Behemoth is a dinosaur. That is entertaining to me. I honestly think the most entertaining one for me is Leviathan being a hippo. I just think of that idea is so like that to me seems more absurd than the dinosaur thing. I'm like, what? Why? Well, what made you think hippo? Yeah, we will get to it. There is a reason. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so this is just going to kind of be a more for funsies episode, if you will. Uh, We're just kind of. There is debates about these creatures. It is somewhat important, tangentially important, but mostly it's just kind of fun to talk about giant mythical beasts. Just a fun topic. So that said, we wanted to read some of the scriptures of the Bible, uh, including those in Job, that describe these beasts and just kind of tell a couple of stories about each of them from Jewish mythology. Right. So in Job 40, 15 through 24, about the behemoth, uh, it says... Look at Behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like cattle. Look at the strength of his back and the power and the muscles of his belly. He stiffens his tail like a cedar tree. The tendons of his thighs are woven firmly together. His bones are bronze tomb, tubes. His limbs are like iron rods. He is the foremost of God's works. Only his maker can draw the sword against him. The hills, the hills yield food for him, while all sorts of wild animals play there. He lies under the lotus plants, hiding in the projection of marshy reeds. Lotus plants cover him with their shade. The willows by the brook surround him. Though the river rages, Behemoth is unafraid. He remains confident, even if the Jordan surges up to his mouth. Can anyone capture him while he looks on, or pierce his nose with snares? Yeah, which part of that ending there is why some people are like, hey, that's how they used to try to catch crocodiles, is by piercing their nose or Something weird like that. Um, But as you guys know, I love the book of Enoch. Uh, I think it's a real shame that it doesn't get talked about more in church and stuff. Uh, Even though it's not part of the Bible, it's not authoritative. It's still referenced a lot in the Bible. It's sort of like, well, that might not sit with everybody. I was going to be like, it's like reading C.S. Lewis without reading Don Quixote. I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but I guess most people probably don't do that. If you didn't know, C.S. Lewis quotes or references Don Quixote and like absolutely everything he does. Love that book for some reason. Anyway, Bible does that a lot with Enoch. In the book of Enoch, chapter 60, verses 7 through 10, we hear a little bit more about the Leviathan and the behemoth. And it reads like this. And on that day were two monsters parted, a female monster named Leviathan, 
to dwell in the abyss of the ocean, over the fountains of waters. The male is named Behemoth, who occupied with his breast a waste wilderness named something. I won't even try to say that. On the east of the garden, where the elect and righteous dwell, where my grandfather was taken up, the seventh from Adam, the first man whom the Lord of Spirits created, and I besought the other angel that he should show me the might of those monsters, how they were parted on one day and cast, the one into the abyss of the sea, and the other into the dry land of the wilderness. And he said to me, Thou son of man, herein thou dost seek to know what is hidden. So, according to Enoch, Leviathan's a girl, Behemoth's a dude. God's hiding them both for now till later. Yeah. It's a surprise tool that will help us later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that Some from? Legend. I, like, I know Mickey I know Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Some legends say the behemoth is strongest at the summer solstice, and his roar calms the wild animals of the world, without which all animals would become too fierce and kill us all. Yeah. Sounds like that'd be a big problem. Like, yeah. Oh, man. There's also some extra biblical sources that claim that in the end times, on Judgment Day, the righteous are, well, before Judgment Day, the righteous are going to see the Leviathan, the behemoth, have kind of this big fight. They're going to duke it out. Then they're both going to get slain by God. And on Judgment Day, we're going to feast on the behemoth, the Leviathan, and the Ziz. Seems like the Ziz wasn't part of the fight, but it gets to be part of the feast for some reason. <laughs> I don't know, man. He just gets I don't bored. Know. Yeah. yeah we, we all wanted some chicken. Plenty of food. Yeah. So next up is the Leviathan. Um, yeah. So the part in Job that talks about the Leviathan is described in chapter 41, verses 1 through 10. It reads, Can you pull in Leviathan with a hook or tie his tongue down with a rope? Which, by the way, that's how they got hippos. Fun stuff. Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he beg you for mercy or speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you so that you can take him as a slave forever? Can you pay, play with him like a bird or put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders bargain for him or divide him among the merchants? Can you fill his hide with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay a hand on him. You will remember the battle and never repeat it. That's how we know it wasn't a hippo. You won't remember the battle. You'll be dead. Any hope of capturing him proves false. Does a person not collapse at the very sight of him? No one is ferocious enough to rouse Leviathan. Who then can stand against me? The one who created the Leviathan. A Leviathan is used a lot more in the Bible, uh, primarily because the sea and Leviathan and serpents are all symbols of chaos. So prophetic books and poetry books love using the Leviathan as a symbol. Yeah. For example, there's also more water than land. That's true. On Earth, which, you know, decisive yeah. advantage. Well, especially at that point where technology was at, you pretty much had to live next to the sea. So it was kind of on their mind a lot. Yeah. Um, one of the examples is the only verse I could remember to quote myself after my accident, just for some reason, after everything, I was like laid up in the hospital bed trying to like just quote Bible verses I could remember. And I just quoted every day Isaiah 27 1, which reads, on that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, with his fierce and great and mighty sword, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and he will kill the dragon who lives in the sea, which was part of a narrative about what's going to happen at the end times. So there we go. Leviathan getting killed. And in Psalm 104, 25 and 26, or sings, praise, however you want to 
speak about Psalms. Uh, there is the sea, great and broad, in which are swarms without number, animals both small and great, the ships move along there, and Leviathan, which you have formed to have fun in it. Yeah. I like how uh, the one verse is like, uh, he's in the abyss. And then here it's like, actually, he's just kind of playing around in the ocean, dude. He's having a good yeah. time. Big place. Yeah. yeah. Still looking around. <laughs> Pretty true. Uh, the Leviathan, interestingly enough, if you include the Psalms and Isaiah and everything, it's killed at least three different times in the Bible. The Leviathan gets killed. Once is like at the beginning of creation. Once is in the end times. Kind of interesting stuff. Uh, it's some of the ones that believe that God created the rest of creation by slaying Leviathan comes from other religions had a narrative of their God slaying a six headed sea monster. And that created everything. And it's sort of mentioned in the Psalms at one point. So some people believe that the Bible also says that not that it meant it literally, but they do think that the Bible says that in some places. It's like Leviathan's almost a title instead of a creature. Yeah. Like, yeah, whatever the biggest fish is, that's Leviathan. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> Crap, that thing looks scary. That's Leviathan right there. <laughs> if you watched uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2, that was Leviathan. <laughs> yeah. And the Ziz is mentioned in the Bible uh, in some translations. Uh, in Psalm 50 and 11, which says, I know all the birds of the mountain, and the Ziz is mine. Yeah. It's also mentioned in Psalm 80. The actual Hebrew word is like zizah or ziz, ziz kind of deal. Um, basically, a lot of your English translations just don't think that since it's not described anywhere in the Bible, just doesn't think that you're smart enough to be able to figure out what a ziz is. So it just replaces it with the creatures of the earth or something like that, because they're like, oh, people don't know what a ziz is. And that's including your word for word literal translations. They still do that a lot of the time. I love NASB. It still says the creatures of the earth because it just doesn't think that you're going to read that and be like, yeah, I know what a ziz is. Kind of frustrating is what it is. Right. In the Hebrew Talmud, there is a story of a man who came upon the ziz in the waters. The man thought the waters to be shallow with a large bird standing in the center. But it turned out that the bird was just so large that he made really deep waters look shallow. Uh, this is explained to be symbolic of how sometimes scripture is made to appear shallow when actually it is deep like the ziz, and reaches out to the heavens. Yeah, fun symbolism. That's pretty much all you need to know about the ziz. It's a giant bird. It's technically mentioned in the Bible. There's some other cool stories in like the texts that were written at the same time as the Bible, but aren't in the Bible. So I recommend looking into it. Ziz is personally my favorite to read about of the three. I think it, they have some really cool stories about the ziz. Yeah. So. The ziz was actually just a, a really big golden eagle that was just yeah. terrorizing authors like... 2000 years ago yeah there there are some just crazy the stories of ziz go even outside of like hebrew culture there's one story that i just think is really funny i think it was in spain supposedly the story was king locks princess up in large tower and it's like haha take that you'll never you know whatever reproduce and have someone replace me and the ziz went found a prince picked it up dropped it off in her tower then after they got to know each other for a while, for some reason, the Ziz came back and took him away. <laughs> I have no idea why that story exists, but I think it's hilarious. So where does the division come in all this? Um, this is fun to talk about. Obviously, you know, I could just talk about giant birds duking it out. Um, just in case y'all wanted to know, I think if the three had to fight, I'd put money on the Ziz. Giant bird is scary to me. 
Yeah. TJ, it's three out of fight. Who do you pick? They have to fight? Yeah. Like they actually want to kill each other? Yeah. Behemoth. All right, there you go. That's where the division lies. I think Ziz, TJ thinks Behemoth. He's a biologist. He is correct. I am wrong. Thank you for listening to this episode. <laughs> no, um, the division comes both with creation and in the end times. Um, it, it's kind of weird. There's some different disagreements of what implications there are as far as what this meant for creation and what this means for some of the symbols we see in the book of Revelation. Right. Since the time of the rabbis' translations before Christ, the three main arguments were that Behemoth and Leviathan were either crocodiles and hippos, mythical beasts, or symbolic metaphors with no real-life foundation. Uh, there isn't a ton of info about what our favorite historical thinkers thought about this. Uh, no one ever asked Augustine, like, hey, man, what's, what's Behemoth up to? Um, <laughs> but they were more focused on the overall meaning of the book of Job. So, Josh, why are these probably not hippos or crocodiles? Um, there are several reasons, uh, largely because before God gives this statement, God gives a different statement about how great he is and describes some of the other animals that he created. This seems to be a follow up of not only did I create those cool animals, I also created these giant beasts. So I feel like if it was just a hippos and crocodiles, he would include it with that. There's also parts where it's like how strong his tail is and the creature that they think is a hippo. And let me tell you, the one thing that I don't think is super strong about a hippo is probably its tail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, is there a problem with them just being mythical creatures? Yeah, see, the problem there is the same thing when you get to Exodus. You're going to hear more of these kind of arguments of what is the point of God saying, look how powerful I am. I created these things that don't exist. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, know, you know, like, cool, God. Cool. If they don't exist, awesome. You didn't do I'm anything. Terrified. Yeah. Yeah, that's so scary. Yeah. Uh, could they just be metaphors? I think you come up with the same thing, though. <laughs> of If they're just metaphors, that's nice, but where's the proof in the pudding? Sort, sort of deal. And if they are metaphors, it just seems weird that God would use real animals one place to talk about his creation, and then the next sentence be like, and now I'm going to switch over to metaphors. Just kind of seems weird. All right. of the arguments people have all have their problems. It's true which is most arguments. It's divided. Yeah. Yeah. None of mine, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of the thing with scripture is a lot of the time scripture is intentionally ambiguous. So if you pick apart arguments of what people try to make it mean, there's always going to be a problem. Because it's trying to be ambiguous. Right. So when the young earth creationist narrative began to gain in popularity with people like Ken Ham, John Whitcomb, and leaders of the Seventh-day Adventist church, uh, they developed and popularized the theory that these two beasts were actually dinosaurs that walked the earth alongside mankind. Uh, this is what ties this debate back to whether the Bible teaches a young earth view, whether or not evolution could be true, and whether that impacts the doctrine of original sin. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, basically, I, I think the, their thought process, which, which I get it, if we could prove somehow that these were describing dinosaurs, then man walked the same time as dinosaurs, which throws a whole wrench into a lot of our scientific theories, especially considering evolution, the age of the earth, all of that kind of thing. Since you can't necessarily prove that, I don't, the argument just kind of seems like you're, you're starting with a pretty big assumption, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I feel one day we're just going to find a time capsule from the year, you know, 200 BC with pictures of Behemoth and Leviathan in it, like Polaroid yeah. pictures. 
Joe pulling a Fred Flintstone and just sliding down the back like it's a slide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Uh, but I mean, that being said, I, I do understand if you're going to believe in a young Earth, it kind of makes sense to think this is dinosaurs. But if you're not going to believe in a young Earth, it really doesn't make sense. But I don't think that puts favor in either side of that argument. It's just kind of a if that argument's true, then that's probably what this is. But uh, it doesn't help that argument. It's just a if then it doesn't yeah. work backwards. I don't necessarily agree because with me. Yeah, I mean, if you were a young Earth creationist, why were there only two of them? That's true. Young Earth creationist, please explain. Please explain <laughs> the lack of other dinosaurs to us. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, the reason that this is relevant to end times debates um, is basically just based on how people have started to translate Revelation. So it's also a more new thing. It's not a huge history of how this has happened. Um, with people like Martin Luther and John Calvin popularizing the literal interpretation of the text, not mean literal as in literal, but literal as in the plain reading of the text. A lot of people read Revelation and say, okay, so clearly these beasts are actual beasts because that's what it says. And then because they think that there's the theories of the beasts of Revelation are the sea beast of the Leviathan, the land beast is behemoth. For those who don't read it like that and read Revelation more symbolically, doesn't matter if it's trying to say it's Leviathan or behemoth or not. It still would represent the same thing, whether it was talking about that or not. Yeah. What do you think, though? Do you think uh, it's trying to portray the Leviathan and behemoth in Revelation or is it just a thing? I think so. Yeah. I mean... Given how much other many other references are in Revelation, I could see it being kind of a nod at, hey, hey, remember those land and sea beasts that got created that was supposed to duke it out in the end? Here they are, but they're fighting you instead. Yeah. They're going to fight over your body, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out you're not going to get to eat them. Our bad. Mistranslation. They get to eat you at the <laughs> feast. Yeah. No, no. But uh, God does defeat both of them in Revelation. In Isaiah, it does say in the end times, God will defeat Leviathan. It makes sense that it could be the same, but again, even if even if you do do the literal translation, it, it still doesn't make a huge difference whether or not it's Leviathan. God beats big beast. True. There Every you go. Time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, is this a first, second, or third tier issue to you, Josh? Uh, well, it's definitely not first in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to. Agree. I think it can be second and third. I mean, I think it's third. But some of the implications can be second tier. It's third tier because we can disagree all day about whether or not you think it's a hippo, a mystical beast, a symbol, a dinosaur, whatever. We can disagree all day and it just simply doesn't matter. But when you try to use this as proof that dinosaurs walked along men and say that that means young earth is correct. um, And then you get into the young earth doctrines that we've discussed before and how original sin only counts if there's a young earth. If evolution is true, then you know, original sin can't be true and you get into all those debates, then you get to a second tier. Um, And the reason we say second tier is because there are still a lot of people who believe in evolution, who don't believe young earth, but still believe Jesus died and rose for their sins. So I don't think it makes it a first tier issue, but that's where you get into that second tier kind of implications, not directly, but yeah. What do you think, TJ? Third, fourth, even. (laughs) Fourth, even. But the Ziz, the Ziz is first. The Ziz is real. That's a first year issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't believe that I'm going to get to ride on a giant bird one day flying through the heavens, I don't even want to know you. Yeah, that's a first tier issue. That's a yeah. zeroth tier <laughs> issue. <laughs> Absolutely. Starting another crusade. 
specifically <laughs> against people who don't believe in the Ziz. Uh, so what uh, what tangible takeaway can we take from all of this? Believe in the Ziz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I think the, the takeaway is we get caught up in the weeds a lot. Like, I still think it's fun to talk about these creatures and all the stories and stuff around them and all that. But in the end, the important part is God is all powerful. Um, when you go through prophets and a lot of that, a lot of people try to interpret what each diamond means and what this color means and all that. But overall, the image is still portraying one thing, and those details are just building up that image. So the more we learn about Behemoth and Leviathan and all that, the more we might be able to build up the image of God is all powerful. But over, but in the end, the message is still going to be God is all powerful. You just might understand that better or worse, depending on how you understand Leviathan and Behemoth. Mm-hmm. What uh, what would be the ramifications in the world if everyone? Did not get caught up in the reeds. Uh, I think as we keep our focus on what the message actually is, that God is all-powerful, maybe we'll be a little bit more humble. Maybe that'll make unity a little bit easier. Because, you know, when you remember that God who created Leviathan wants you to be united, that should encourage you to be united. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to agree. Yeah. Even if Leviathan's a hippo, if you've really looked at a hippo up close, I want to obey that God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those things are terrifying. So, for our God Moment segment, uh, if this is your first time listening, weird episode to start with. Uh, <laughs> maybe you're taking a, a class bit. on Job or something. Uh, but we like to do our God Moment segment, which is just a moment where we talk about what God's been up to in our lives, but either by sharing a blessing or a challenge, moment of worship, anything like that. I always make Josh go first, and he made me go first last week by not being on the show. So... Uh, Josh, do you have was a God there, moment for us this week? Was there a point in bringing that up, or were you just? Yeah, I want the audience to, to sure. sympathize. Yeah, I have. Um, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say. I've had a very hard and challenging week. A lot of um, not great things going on, and in the midst of all of that, this is going to sound really stupid. But if you listen to our other podcast, Systematic Ecology, it might make a little more sense. I've been waiting for a certain comic book, Miss Marvel and Wolverine to come out. And I was able to not only find an issue on the day it released, I was able to find a variant cover that I really like. It looks really cool. And uh, that was just a small blessing in the middle of kind of a really tough week. So very cool. Yeah, yes. I'll to show you later. For me, God moment is going to be about a family member who is going through a layoff right now. So just trying to figure out what he's going to do. You know, he has like a month to get mm. back on his feet, get all this settled, find a new avenue to go down. And, you know, God's going to help, so it's not that big of a deal. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. So if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please consider sharing it with a friend or an enemy. You could also share it with a cousin. Uh, yeah. If you don't have a cousin, you can share it with one of my cousins. Reach out to me uh, through the whole church group on Facebook. I'll send you their information. <laughs> I don't care. Um, does that mean I have to convey it to you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because TJ does not get on mm-hmm. Facebook if you, if you were unaware. Yeah. yeah, that would help us a lot. Still, if you did those, do you still lurk on Facebook, or do you just not get no, on at all? I don't get on at all. Okay. Well, if you guys want to hear me and TJ discuss more things like variant covers on really cool comic books, you can go listen to our other podcast, SystematicGeekology.org, where we just talk about geeky stuff and Bible and stuff, and how we see Christian themes in the geeky stuff that we love. So just go on over there. There's a host tab you can hit at the top of the page and it'll have me and TJ's name. You can see all the episodes that we're on on that show as well. Right. And consider supporting us on Patreon uh, for as little as 
insert amount here. I'm pretty sure it's a dollar, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a dollar. dollar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can check out the Too Long Didn't Listen segment, which on a busy day, if you just want to know what we were talking about, probably going to take <laughs> hopefully 10 seconds, but it's not really ever 10 seconds long uh, of us summarizing the episode. Yeah. Just as a I think for this particular one, that, that might be useful. I mean, they've already listened this far now, but, you know, I, I could see where all you needed to hear was we talked about big bird, big animal, big sea thing. Yeah. 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 And thank you for listening to the whole church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we'll be interviewing Joseph Mancuso of the Full Life TV. After that, we'll be having another roundtable discussion, this time about whether or not Christians should be involved in scientific discussions. Then we'll be taking one week off for vacation. So there'll be no episode on September 13th. Finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. I forgot September is next month. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. It's weird that it's coming up soon. Yeah. Do you think Francis Chan knows that it's next month? I don't know. You think he'll be on the show then? He's a busy guy. Yeah, that's true. Plus, we have a full schedule. Francis, you need to come up with a better month, man. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Remember to tune in next week where we will be interviewing Joseph Minusco about his podcast, The Real Life TV. Also remember, you can sponsor our show on patreon.com forward slash the whole church podcast for as little as $3 a month.